Hello, and welcome to another episode of Special Ed Rising, the podcast, No Parent Left Behind, the show that speaks to parents and caregivers on topics related to the world of exceptional needs and related educational services. If you crave knowledge and support in a low-stress environment, then you've come to the right place. I'm Mark, and I have over 33 years of experience teaching kids and coaching parents, and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope this podcast can inspire you to face your days more confidently, stirring a greater sense of self-love, mindfulness, and an outpouring of goodness and positive role modeling for your children. Always keep you and your mental, physical, and if you're inclined, spiritual health in mind. Health in these areas will allow you to be all you hope to be for them. In this episode, I'll be speaking about active ignoring. This can be an effective device used when your child is acting out, tantruming, and or refusing to listen to you at times when they are not a danger to themselves or to anyone in the home. As you'll hear, this is a strategy that can take some time and patience, but can save you a lot of battle fatigue. Afterwards, stay tuned for a tip of the cap, offering today's parenting tip and my good news community share, where you'll hear some positive news happening in the world of exceptional needs and related education. So pour yourself a nice summer drink, and let's ease our way to another win. I have used with success and professed with enthusiasm to parents and other professionals I have advised the practice of active ignoring. From the top, when you hear the term, you might think it odd or perhaps even unsympathetic to your child's struggles, but I promise you that it's the exact opposite. In the past, I've spoken to you about the incorporation of mindfulness into your parenting bat utility belt, and what I like about active ignoring is how light it is to carry. Active ignoring isn't ignoring your child's pain. It's actually a method that encourages acceptable social interaction and the ability to follow instructions and accept demands. It's a strategy that sends a message to your child that you are there showing your support by being present without anger. It's critical that you show no signs of emotion, keeping a neutral expression, and occasionally reminding them of that with positive language. However, you're not going to engage in or accept their acting out behaviors. By not giving in to the tantrums and giving your child what they want, we're encouraging them to go through their process and come to meet the demands put on them in their time. And with consistency, what happens is that the tantrums tend to decrease in both time and frequency until it's understood that listening is okay and can even be rewarded. Our mindful approach of not reacting, giving space for ourselves and our child's emotions to process, will allow for growth for all involved. What is active ignoring? The University College London explains, sometimes kids do things to get attention, to get out of doing things they don't like, or even to just get their parents upset. Active ignoring means purposely not paying attention to these kinds of behaviors in order to make them go away. Active ignoring can quickly stop many types of problem behaviors as children learn that they are ignored following the behavior. Active ignoring is the consequence of problem behavior. It does not cause any emotional harm to your child, and it also can help parents feel less angry and upset with their children. It's easy to learn, and with a little practice, it becomes easy to use. I have many stories of times that I have used active ignoring with success. And before I share, I want to be clear of my take on this approach. There are situations and moments when completely ignoring a child is best practice. I've seen it work. But quite often, checking in on occasion is something that I will do 
You may ask, how is this possible if I'm ignoring? Hopefully that will become clear. Very recently, I began working with an autistic teen. Uh, this individual is very intelligent, engaging, but struggles when burdened with demands and suffers from OCD. When I first arrived to work with her, she had already begun a slow spiral into tantruming because her previous teacher had put a realistic demand on her. With me being new and her on the precipice of losing control, it's reasonable to assume that the transition to a new face in that moment was not going to be smooth for either of us. Engaging a child when they don't know you at a time like this is certainly not optimal, but it happens and one has to have an idea of how to approach it in both the least threatening and least antagonizing way. For me, it was obvious to go straight to active ignoring in this case because there was no reason for this child to listen to me. Upon seeing me, I said hello and asked what she was doing. Her only response and her main response for the next two hours was a guttural scream-bark combination. She quickly retreated to an adjacent room and carried on from there, occasionally peeking out to see if I had left. As I've mentioned, the straight-up ignoring uh, without any interaction until the behavior turns appropriate is an approach that's used and can be used with success. Some observers of this strategy have their doubts, however. I think it's important and fair to hear them out uh, as to be as well-rounded as I can be before deciding what makes sense for me and what I deem fair to the child. Educational consultant Christy Preti Franchak expresses her biggest concerns with active ignoring. First, she says, we may say ignore the behavior, but in reality, we end up ignoring the child's needs and their efforts to communicate. Second, ignoring is in direct opposition to our calling as brain architects, which is to connect and form secure attachments. And third, plant ignoring in particular, and by definition, is a form of punishment. And if that weren't enough, I also take issue with justifying planned ignoring as an evidence-based practice. Well, these are strong words, and especially the punishment part. I understand why she's saying it, because to be ignored is a lousy feeling. I get frustrated when I ask someone close to me a question and they don't acknowledge it, even though I know they've certainly heard me. The reality is that this is not a reflection on me, but a choice they've made, and I have the opportunity to make a different choice with my response. And one better choice for me would be to ignore the ignoring. If I choose to cut back on my interactions in the future, if that person cares about our connection, then perhaps they'll begin to take uh, my attempts at interacting more seriously. If not, say la vie. But what's different with active ignoring of your child's behavior is that it's not intended as punishment, but as I see it, actually a more respectful way of teaching them that their attempts at manipulation or control are not socially acceptable. Therefore, by allowing them to come to a place of, oh, if I want a reaction, I need to behave in a way that takes into account the other. Now, whether or not your child can understand that on this highest level, or to the most simplistic degree of do this, get that, the bottom line is the same. By my not getting angry and yelling at my child, which to me is more damaging and can erode trust, actively ignoring how I perceive it will show them that they're not being forgotten and when they can express however that is themselves and come to a place of mutual cooperation, then we have something to build on. So my method, unlike that of the way Ms. Pretty Franchak argues, is not ignoring the child's needs, because in these instances, the needs are better defined as demands, and what they're trying to communicate is, unless I get my way, I will show my upset. And I say this knowing that tantrums don't always start with devious or premeditated intent, but this doesn't change the approach. 
When I engage in this dance, I am periodically reminding the child that everything is okay, that I'm here to help when they are ready, and I ask them if they can tell me how they're feeling. The last part is not asked with the expectation that they can answer at the height of upset, but is a building block towards when they begin to calm down and are more able to say or show and imply with their actions what they're feeling. By interacting periodically, but not demanding compliance, you allow them their processing time, different for everyone. I sometimes will know why a tantrum begins, but there will be equal times when I don't. Asking what your child wants is also appropriate during this time. If you know the trigger, then you can use a first, next, then visual. For example, first calm, next clean up, then reward. And if you don't know why the tantrum began, you can still use the strategy. When you're able to calm and complete the task or demand, you can choose a reward. With Miss Pretty Franchek's next point, to connect and form secure attachments, I believe that we can build a stronger connection using active ignoring because your child knows that they have the latitude to tantrum without feeling like they are bad. They're not being yelled at. They will not be punished, Pretty Franchek's other argument, and they are not being mistreated. I feel it's showing them respect by allowing them to come to terms in their time and space while being verbally reinforced throughout and loved with a hug and reassurance in the end that they are okay and you have not abandoned them. I recall being punished when I was a child and boy, would I have liked being left alone to come around and then calmly have a parent who was willing to speak to me and build me up while teaching me why something was unacceptable. I feel strongly that trying to understand one another is the key and Yes, the parent needs to set expectations and have rules, but they can also allow for their child to be human, weak, and imperfect in order to have a place to go to, a place of discovery and person shaping. As Erin Quinn Gary, a parent of an autistic child, says, this method teaches your child self-discipline and can be a tool for modeling and setting expectations. Some experts profess leaving the room while ignoring. When I first started putting this podcast together, I was saying the following. If your child is typically functioning, then in some cases, maybe I can see this playing out. As long as you make yourself visible on occasion to check in and speak positively and encouragingly to and with them. But I'm not a huge fan. I feel it's better to be nearby, even if you're not engaging fully. In the case of exceptional needs individuals, I would feel more inclined to remain for both safety purposes and because cognitively they may not be able to process why you left and it might scare them. Today I met with the same student I mentioned earlier, and as I was again actively ignoring her resistance in the form of her repeated vocalizations and defiance of my presence, I re-examined this and entertained that if I went into an adjacent room or slightly out of sight around the corner, that it might be effective for its show of how ineffective the acting out was on me. And because I was still very close to my student and could continue to monitor her, if anything changed of concern, I could be right there. So I would now say that this choice is situational and individual, and I would advise you to use your judgment. You know your child best, but always lean toward the choice that will keep them the safest. As you may know or have heard, active ignoring can increase the intensity of the tantrums, and this is to be expected. It's a natural rise and fall of a behavior to escalate before reducing its wind speed. But don't be afraid of this. Hold your ground and stay steady. Escalation that incurs damage is certainly something that needs to be taken seriously. I have experienced this, and depending, again, upon the individual size, condition, and emotional state in the moment, you might be able to let out a little rope 
when things start flying or being knocked over and continue to ignore. Only if those objects aren't breakable or sharp or intended for you. If this does not occur, then further action must be taken. I had an incident where a student had knocked over his desk and chair in a room without other students present. So I gave a little more space and time to ignore. But when things began being hurled my way, I had to take another approach and call in a team to help contain him. If you're being physically attacked, I recommend deflecting physically by turning your child away from you. Again, only if your child is not of a size that makes this dangerous for you. You don't want to physically interact if you can avoid it. Using distractions at the height of a tantrum will most likely not work, but can be attempted at the beginning or in the waning period of an outburst. There are ways you can prepare to defend yourself and keep your child safe, and I will make that information available on my website's resource page. Active ignoring is not easy. It is difficult to keep your emotions at bay and to stay with it for an extended period of time. Nemours Health and Prevention Service recommends to ignore means that you have to have good control, patience, and faith that things will get better. Try to avoid yelling at your child or correcting them. If you feel you're about to raise your voice or you can't walk away, try cooling off by counting to 10 or singing a song in your head. And if you're fortunate enough, it may help to have another parent or caregiver watch you use plan ignoring and tell you how it went. I agree with this and encourage you to perhaps put on some relaxing music as well if you find it doesn't escalate the situation. Spa music can potentially calm everyone. Another thing I've done is uh, find a narrated children's story on Pandora or YouTube and play it on my phone. Sometimes the story can be distracting and you don't have to be directly connected, which may be preferred by your child. At the first sign of upset, I recommend talking to your child and asking why they're upset and how they're feeling and offer options for them. If this doesn't work, I suggest the first thing to do is to put in practice the strategy of active ignoring. It's time now for a tip of the cap, your exceptional needs parenting tip. Today's tip comes from the Center for Parenting Education as entitled, Take Care of the Relationship. For those of you co-parenting, make sure to take care of your partnership. Parents who are exhausted tend to forget to work on their relationship, get irritated, and fail to communicate well. Ways to enhance your partnership include a willingness to kindly communicate your need for help. This helps prevent the buildup of resentment between partners. For example, well, she should just know that I'm tired of dealing with doctor appointments. Remember, the other person cannot read minds. Next, give the main caregiver a break. Then, take time to be together even if it's just 15 minutes, without the kids to talk about things other than the kids. Be a compassionate, supportive listener for each other. And finally, acknowledge your partner's strengths. To this last point, if your spouse is great at handling your child's homework struggles, step back and allow him to help. If one of you is patient in the morning and the other is more patient at night, use that knowledge to plan chores and child care time. In today's Good News Community Share from goodnewsnetwork.org, we have an article by Andy Corbley entitled, With a Blink of the Eye, Even the Paralyzed Can Play Musical Instruments. While many say the eyes are the windows of the soul, 
a Greek music professor sees them as windows of soul music, or rock, or electronica, or jazz. Zacharias Van Vakusis is the creative mastermind behind iHarp, and while he missed the opportunity to call it iTunes, his new digital musical instrument is allowing hundreds of quadriplegics to create music using only their eyes. With a PhD in music technology and possessing expert computer skills, Van Fakusis made the field of disabled musicianship a specialty after a friend suffered a motorcycle accident, which impaired his ability to play the guitar. iHarp is currently in its fifth iteration, and Van Bakusis launched the iHarp Foundation in 2019 to try and get his instrument out to more people. Notes appear on screen in a color-coded wheel set to pentatonic or heptatonic scales and are selected for sonification by the user's gaze. The same note as the one previously selected will remain on the screen for fast power riffing, and another can be chosen. To help students learn, a visual aid in the form of a circle will drag across the screen to direct the gaze at the next correct note, but can be turned off so that disabled people can go through the rigors of practice that anyone trying to learn an instrument have to suffer. A little like the Guitar Hero video game, iHarp comes with accuracy scores and other gamifying metrics as well as an option to silence errors. Playing music is a process that requires studying and having music classes, Van Fakusa says. So, if we want to reach many people, we have to reach first the music teachers. 650 people are currently using iHeart, including Joe Bueno, a Spanish man with cerebral palsy who wanted to play music with his older brother. iHeart is a very important instrument for my life because I always wanted to play music, says Bueno. It is an innovative instrument, great and very fresh. We knew certain activities like playing soccer or music would be impossible for Joel, says Ms. Bueno. When iHarp appeared, we felt, if we can do this, we can do anything. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join me each week to hear about topics close to your heart and welcome fresh and innovative insights into areas that are new to you. It's an honor to have you tune in, and it's a pleasure to share with you. All music heard on today's show comes from Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram, at Special Ed Rising, and on my website, specialedrising.com. If you like what you're hearing, please hit the subscribe button and or leave a review at the bottom of the podcast feed and tell your friends. You can contact me directly with questions, comments, or if you're interested in parent coaching, through my email, specialedrising at gmail.com. I would love for you to share some of your stories, which I can add to the community share page of my website. And with your permission, I'd love to share your submissions with the audience. Also, let me know if there's anything you'd like to learn more about. And until next time, peace and keep rising.